0: The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with
1: GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for joining us today on this fine Wednesday. Um, hopefully, we're uh, listening for our last conversation about the fisheries and, and the Whole Foods decision to not carry unsustainable fish. That was a uh, uh, we just we were just talking over the break about how we just basically just touched upon it in a very light way. But there's so much more more to discuss about it. So uh, um, you know, definitely. Get in touch with uh, with me on the show, and um, you know, give me your thoughts on this because I think it's a really important issue. So, um, as I mentioned before, we've got Matt Gardner in here um, in the studio, not on the line, which is terrific. And 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 Matt um, is a principal. Director at SustainServe, which is a management consulting firm, and they specialize in working with organizations to develop and implement corporate sustainability strategies and initiatives. And they were founded in 2001, and so it's about 10 years, 11 years now. And uh, they have offices in Boston and in Zurich, and their international team. uses their experience with metrics-driven analysis to provide comprehensive solutions that drive sustainable business growth, which sounds really, really academic, and we'll break that down. Um, but the, the purpose of you know, our discussion today is to really talk about what sustainability means for businesses today? And what does it mean for, for us, people out there who are b- purchasing things? Let's say we go into Walmart, Target, whatever. We buy a Nike product, Patagonia. What does this mean for us as consumers? Do we? Why are we paying attention to sustainability and why is it important? And is it working? So um, welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, Nature Christy. Business.
0: It's really a pleasure to be here.
1: So t- let's talk a little bit about, let's start with you and talk about your story. You, I um, I have been at Serve, obviously, since the beginning, and you were started with two other partners. Yeah, that's right. And um, tell us about what got you interested in starting this consultancy in the first place.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, So... As background, I'm a chemist by training. I have my doctorate in chemistry, as do my two partners, in fact. Um, you know, Very similar kind of flavors of chemistry, if you will. And uh, we all met as uh, through our, our work in academics, as you noted before. Uh, I spent about 10 years at MIT. Uh, one of my partners was in the ETH system, which is the Swiss kind of MIT, the Swiss Technical University System. And my, uh, our third partner was at the Kennedy School at Harvard. And we met through a research alliance called the Alliance for Global Sustainability at MIT, which is an alliance between a a number of major research universities. And the three of us really saw an opportunity to help companies figure out what this thing called sustainability means to them. Um, A lot of companies uh, back in 2000, uh, 1999, were starting to ask that question. Um, And it was really starting to become more mainstream. And there was some confusion out there. Uh, the companies were kind of looking at each other and, and saying, okay, so so what's expected of us now? And, and what can we do in order to be good corporate citizens? So we started to stay Serve. We started our office in Zurich in 2001, started the Boston office about six months later. And now we're um, about a dozen people between the two offices. And we work with companies all over the world um, of all sizes uh, to help them really figure this out and to get a good sense of what it means and what kinds of programs and projects and policies they can put in place in order to uh,
1: really be more responsible. Responsible corporate citizens. That's great. So, so you, you, there are a lot of people out there who are doing this, the, the sustainability work. Yeah, tell um, me about it. <laughs> As we know, in in the world we live in, um, and there is a reason for that because there's a demand, or else they wouldn't be in business. Sure. So, that's the good news. Um, what? How do you think that sustained service is is Sort of differentiated. Obviously, you're international. That's a big thing, and we can talk about the differences between the companies that you're seeing internationally versus the ones that are um, primarily U.S. focused. Because I'm sure there is a difference. Uh, but w- what would set SustainServe apart? Like, what are, do you think? Having the, the PhD, the chemistry background. I mean, tell, tell what is the components here. I
0: think it's really two things that that set us apart from our our colleagues out there. I'll call them mm-hmm. colleagues instead of competitors. Um, you know, first and foremost is that we do bring a fairly rigorous academic background to us. Like I said, the, the three founders are all PhD chemists. Um, but at the same time, and, you know, the, the other aspect that I think we bring to the table is that we are, we're very committed to being uh, uh, practical in the implementation of these programs. You know, sustainability, as you know, is a, a subject that you can get deeply philosophical about very quickly. Um, and while that's all great, and I you know, personally love to participate in those conversations, where the rubber meets the road is that companies want to understand, okay, what do I need to do? What's it going to cost me? What are the benefits for me? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to translate in very practical terms back to a company, here's what you can do in order to participate in this arena and to be seen as a very credible and legitimate participant in sustainability, um, these are the things that you need to do, X, Y, Z. And and then we provide the resources and the technical know-how to help them do that.
1: So, so so I can just hear our listeners now saying, "Okay, well, what is it? What is sustainability? What are what what are we looking at here when we say we we hear green all the time? We're starting to hear innovation more. Um, Certainly, sustainability, responsibility. Um, Everybody." I think, inherently wants to do the right thing. But what is the sustainability thing?
0: So sustainability, the, the classic definition of it is that it's, it's kind of the intersection of economic, environmental, and social factors. And I think a lot of people have seen the a classic Venn diagram where sustainability is that point where the three circles of economy, environment, society intersect with each other. You know, some people mean that that's or interpret that as as meaning that, that sustainability is where these these three things are perfectly balanced. And in some cases that can be true. In my opinion, um especially for corporations the, the intersection where the uh, companies that are, are, are operating more sustainably are taking those three factors, economy, environment, and social factors, into consideration in their decision making. So they're, um, as they're making major capital expenditure decisions, as they're uh, thinking about investments, as they're thinking about new strategies, they're weighing the impacts of these decisions through those lenses and then making a decision that's right for their business. Something I want to emphasize very strongly is that um, a sustainable business is a business that is going to be in business for a long time fundamentally right. and and so you know there are business decisions that companies make that may have negative environmental impacts but have benefits in other dimensions, so you have to go into it with this with your lens kind of wide open so you can capture all this information and then make a decision that's really right for your company. Mm-hmm. If your company goes out of business, it ain't so sustainable, no matter how exactly. you slice it.
1: No, it's very true. And and that's something that you know we, we drive home a lot on this show, because there's no way that you can even discuss the issue of green and sustainability for business if you don't talk about the fact that the bottom line is going to be hopefully improved, if not proven improved, um, if you pay attention to these issues. So basically, what you're saying is that even if you're going to be doing something that is not that is maybe have maybe has negative environmental effects, but highly positive economic and social benefits, you're you're taking into account the negative environmental effects at the outset. So you're you're documenting those so that you have basically a the a, a starting point. So you know what you're doing from the outset so you're not so you're not just saying okay well we're just going to ignore that and then, yeah that's okay that's just environmental you know environmentally unsound and whatever you're actually documenting it so you have some baseline to actually improve
0: not only are you documenting it but you're also being very transparent about this negative impact and that's one of the key ingredients for a sustainable business in my opinion and in our work is is this commitment to transparency so when we go in and we start working with a company um, You know, if you're a manufacturing company, for example, and you've gotten a set of questions from one of your customers saying, so what are you doing about sustainability? What are you doing about greenhouse gases and all of that? Um, You know, the people who receive that sometimes, you know, are taken aback because all of a sudden they have to start disclosing something that that maybe they haven't before. But that's part of it is to is to document, to calculate, to quantify your impacts on the world, and then to be willing to talk about it, to acknowledge it, and then to say, okay, because of this negative impact, here's what we're doing in order to try to improve upon it. So it's a commitment to that continuous improvement as okay. well. Okay.
1: Okay. So for, for those of you who are just joining us, we're speaking with Matt Gardner, and he is a director um, and founder at the uh, SustainServe, a global consultancy, sustainability consultancy. Um, this is this is great because I'm, I really want um, our listeners to understand that how how important it is to pay attention to this stuff and let's let's talk about from 10 years ago to now I mean, when you started this company, the landscape has changed immensely.
0: And it's still changing on a daily basis. That's part of our everyday challenge, is that each day there's new trends, new ways to be thinking about things, new capabilities that companies have in terms of of documenting the Mm -hmm. impacts we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a fast-moving landscape, and that's part of our challenge and part of our service that we provide to our clients is to help stay on top of that and to help uh, communicate back to them what's going on and how can they be leaders or fast followers or in the middle of the pack or whatever you want to call it, but so that they can uh, very credibly engage in the sustainability arena.
1: So what are you seeing? Are you seeing companies who are jumping in and saying, "We are totally committed 100%. We can't wait to do this." Or are you seeing companies that are coming to you and you probably it probably runs the gamut, but companies that are saying, "Oh, I guess we have to do this. This is we're going to fall behind. Can you help us? What, what give us some <laughs> give us some insight on this?"
0: It's really all of the above. You know, some companies and there are examples out there real kind of sustainable company household names if you will. You know, there's the Nike's and there's the Patagonia and the Stonefield Farms and and, uh, Interface uh, carpet uh, with Ray Anderson, who recently passed away, unfortunately. Um, But there's those companies, of course, who are really kind of leading the charge. They're on the bleeding edge of sustainability, and they're willing to do all kinds of really interesting things and, and show others how it's done. In the middle of the pack, you know, there are companies who are motivated to do this by a variety of different factors you know and when i go out and and give talks about uh, corporate sustainability there's really kind of four factors that we see um, that are driving companies towards this. the first one is market factors so companies are seeing market opportunities to implement new sustainable products services or whatever so that's one another one is what i call business factors and that's really uh, the idea of process and infrastructure efficiency. So you can make the widgets that you sell more efficiently with less input materials and less waste. So you can save money there. Or you can have a building that uses far less energy. So you can save money there. So there's there's real opportunities there. There's what's called people factors. And that could be a CEO deciding that he or she simply wants to run their company in a sustainable manner. This is the legacy they want to leave behind. Or it can be where uh, employees, the troops in the trenches are really demanding it. And they're saying, you know, I want to be working for a company that is uh, sustainable, that is seen as a good citizen, that 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 shares some of the values that I personally have. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is, it is really a big one and that's regulation. So regulatory factors are a big motivator um, for companies. And that's everything from the simple kind of clean air, clean water, act stuff to Sarbanes-Oxley on uh, corporate responsibility and financial reporting is a critical one right now. In some parts of the world, in some parts of the US, you have rules on carbon accounting and, and reporting on your greenhouse gas emissions. So regulation clearly plays a very important role as well. Each company that we deal with is motivated by these four factors in different ways. For some companies, regulation is is the only thing they care about and, and everything else is secondary. For other companies, you know, it's the people factors or the market factors or whatever. And part of our job is to go in and to really help understand what motivates this company and what makes sense for them as a business for their business model and then to help them put programs in place that really make sense for them. So that's kind of the middle of the curve there. There are certainly some companies who wouldn't give sustainability a second thought right now. They see it as completely unrelated to their business model or to their, you know, the core performance of their business I personally believe, and I think time will tell, that they're going to be on the wrong end of history with that one, and and they're going to realize that, you know, a sustainable business is one that is in business for a long time. But in order to do that in the future, you're going to have to weigh environmental and social concerns as well as part of your long-term strategic planning process. Mm-hmm.
1: And the ones that are just saying it's just not it's not working for me or it's just not important, they don't see the uh, bottom-line benefits. Then they're not being convinced. You know that. They're going to save money.
0: Right. And companies ask that of us all the time. They say, so if we do this sustainability thing, we're going to save money, right? And and my response to that is, it depends. It depends on what you do. There are some things that you can do, and part of our job is to work with companies to help them find those things if they exist. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're a manufacturing company, there may be ways in order to, to limit resource usage or waste production or to make your buildings more efficient or to identify new market opportunities for your products. That's all part of the game and is absolutely within the scope of what we try to do and what companies should be thinking about. There are things that companies can and likely should do that will cost them money, but there are other benefits out there some people call them intangible benefits, um, where it's worth it. It's worth the investment. So it could be a reputational benefit. So if you're out spending money on a good greenhouse gas accounting system to, to measure and, and report on your greenhouse gases, the fact that you are now reporting on these and being transparent about it can give you some PR benefits that can drive market share towards you. Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of balance all of these things as, as you're making decisions about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting thinking about sort of the mom and pop you know, shop versus like a big Coca Cola or a Pepsi. You know, and the bandwidth that people have, so you know, you're, it's tougher. Like, how would how would a a smaller twenty person shop? You know, do, how do they, they come to you? They don't have an internal CSR person, a corporate social responsibility person, or a you know VP of sustainability there. They right. just.
0: That's a big challenge for them, and it's, um, you know, a significant part of a company engaging in sustainability is data, it's data collection, it's understanding what your footprint is. It's one of the first things that we recommend to a company when they come and want to work with us, is we say, let's let's measure this, let's figure out what your impact is, what's your energy utilization rates, um, how much water are used, and what's your waste stream look like, things like that, just so you can understand what the baseline is. For a company that's 20 or 30 people, Um, you know, it, it, it takes some effort, you know, that to be honest, that's why firms like mine exist is to help companies like that do it. Um, it kind of leads to the question, do you need to have a chief sustainability officer in a company? And I think in some companies it makes sense, you know, where there's a, this significant corporate commitment to doing this by definition, sustainability is a cross cutting issue. It's something that that uh, cuts across an organizational chart across different line functions and all that. So, um, you know, so you need someone who can help maintain that overview of all of this, because a lot of times you're asking business units to interact who don't usually interact um, as part of their day to day work. Um,
1: So the person is a liaison.
0: Yeah, a liaison, a a cat herder, you know. I mean, it's it's someone who knows how to cut across organizational boundaries Mm -hmm. and to get people talking to each other and who knows where data and information sits in the different nooks and crannies of the company. Um, That's a really important part of it. That's something we help companies do, figure out where that information resides. And it might not be the chief financial... A financial officer. It might be someone who is is at a lower level in the organizational chart, but who has happened to have worked there for thirty years and knows where all the information sits. And so, f- you know, figuring out who those people are mm-hmm. and talking to them and making friends with them is a really important part of the work that we do.
1: So, are they? Are, do you think companies are really getting this overall?
0: I do. I do, and I think it's for a variety of reasons. I mean, you asked about um, what's what's making people want to do this now. we What are some of the shifts that we're seeing in the past 10 years? I think a really important one is this whole issue of supply chain sustainability. So you're seeing major corporations start to not only get their own house in order, but to start to push back on their suppliers and to say, okay, if you want to keep doing business with us, then you need to be doing X, Y and Z and providing this information to us. So Walmart, classic example of this. Uh, Walmart, who interestingly has had their own issues recently in Mexico um, with respect to building permit processes. Really unfortunate set of of stories coming out of there. But anyway, but you know, Walmart has really made a name for itself by coming up with their I call them the 15 questions that have changed, changed the supply chain world because they basically set, uh, sent these questionnaires out to uh, tens of thousands of their suppliers and you know and said, if you want to keep doing business with us, you need to fill this out. It's optional this year, but it's not going to be moving forward. <laughs> right. And in fact, at the end of this year, they're going to phase out the, the simple version, the uh, simple 15 question version, and make it much more complicated. But basically, their suppliers, some of whom are these 20 and 30 person mom and pop manufacturing operations, they're getting these questionnaires, and they're saying, holy moly, we have to start reporting this. We right. have to figure out where this information sits. What do we do? It's situations like that that, that uh, contribute to my bottom line and our business, um, but, but it's they, hard.
1: But are the smaller companies, so they're supplying for Walmart, and they're they're coming, they're they're being sent this questionnaire It's you know, pretty rudimentary, not really rudimentary, but, it, but it's basically 15 questions at this point. It will be much more complex in the future. Are they getting, what are they saying? They're saying, okay, well, we have to do this because we want to stay in business, but are they coming at sustainability then from a negative tone? Like, we're being forced to do this by Walmart. Can you just take care of this for us and, and tell us what to do? Or are they thinking that this is a good thing and, and they're engaging?
0: In some cases, no, they're being dragged Kicking and screaming into this, you know, I mean, it's not where they would like to be spending their time and effort. Um, But it is it's you know, the 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 fact it's the reality right now is that it's not just Walmart. I mean, it's it's major electronics companies. It's, um, you know, pretty it's it's really becoming fairly universal among major corporations to put a supply chain code of conduct, a supply chain questionnaire out there. Um, you know, so pretty much if you're engaged in a supply chain, if you're a tier two, tier three supplier at any large companies, eventually you're going to run into this. And so whether you like it or not, you're going to have to participate and put the pieces in place so that you can respond to these things. A key thing to think about or one of the things that that we work with our clients on is that frequently, if if you supply 10 different companies, you'll get 10 different questionnaires from your Uh, Mm -hmm. from your customers. So the question is, how do you respond to these efficiently? Because the people who are in charge of responding to these things can spend 20, 30, 50, 80% of their time just filling out these questionnaires. And so part of what we do is help them figure out uh, let's do it once. Let's do one data collection process so that you can respond to 95% of these questionnaires that you get so you don't have to do it multiple times.
1: So are they so different, these questionnaires? They have to be somewhat similar.
0: There are certainly common elements to it. Most of them talk about greenhouse gases and talk about waste streams and things like that. But each has its own nuance and, and hmm. it has its own um, you know, its own way of approaching the issue and and, and, and needs its own thought put into it. And sure. so part of what we do is help companies sort through you know, these different uh, questionnaires, these different data requests that they're getting and help them, you know, figure out or uh, draft a plan to respond efficiently to these multiple requests coming in.
1: Hmm. OK, so let's talk about the uh, the, the the international component of the business. You have an office in, in, in Zurich uh, where you started and um, companies over in Europe versus companies in the U.S. We'll talk about the work that what are the differences that you see?
0: So early on in our business, you know, there was a lot of difference. You know, uh, companies over there, you know, much smaller companies. So we'd see companies with 100 people or 150 people wanting to write a sustainability report, which is a public document about your sustainability practices. Um, You know, we would do strategy sessions for companies over there. And over here, it was much more kind of reactionary. Mm. The bottom line, though, is that with the, you know, globalization or the, you know, as Tom Friedman says, you know, the flattening of the world or whatever you want to call it. You know, we're seeing it really level out, you know, companies here in the States, they all participate in global supply chains and they have operations in multiple areas of the world. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them are doing what I think is a smart thing and kind of adopting a lowest common denominator approach and says, if we need to comply with this in these in these countries. Then let's just do it everywhere, and and put the systems in place, and put the policies in place, so that they can really um, everyone's operating from the same playbook when it comes mm-hmm. to sustainability. But you know, there are some some aspects where companies in Europe are. You know, somewhat more advanced. You know, green building standards are much tighter over there. So when people are building new factories or facilities over there, you know, they tend to go with higher energy efficiency standards from the get-go. Um, that's shifting as well. You know, so I really, you know, ten years ago, I, you know, I'd, I'd fully support the idea that uh, Europe was more advanced. But nowadays, it's it's really leveling out. And and if you're playing in the global marketplace, you got to start participating in this arena.
1: How do these companies actually? So you go in there and you help them out and you get them started and you create a database of information. How do how do you how do they end up um, making these the sustainability measures last through time? What's the test of time? Let's say five years from now. Do they do they just constantly need your assistance or That's companies like yours?
0: Yeah, that's the classic kind of organizational element to what we do, you know, is it, or, you know, to really any new initiative within a company. I mean, once you get stuff, uh, something started, how do you keep it going? Um, frequently, you know, companies will come to us and, you know, and they'll say, you know, we know we need to be participating in this. We got the questionnaire yeah. from Walmart or whatever. Yeah. Um, what do we do? You know, and there's really three elements to kind of get companies going in this. The first one is what we call is a landscape assessment. It's really to look around this company and to say, OK, what are your peers and competitors yeah. doing? What are your customers doing? Yeah. What kind of expectations? expectations Do they have on you? So, what? Um, what's the framework of what you need to be doing? That, that's one element of it. The next one is to do this comprehensive inventory, okay. and it's to sit, to sit back and to really assess your footprint. You know, water. Energy, greenhouse gases, waste streams—all of that—and and to compile all this data and take a look at it. The third one is to start to talk about it. So it's to prepare a community a sustainability report, something that you know puts it all in one place. It's a great exercise to help companies kind of collect this information, start to talk across these organizational boundaries that maybe they haven't been talking across up to now. So that's kind of the first step. After that, you know, then you really kind of start you know, working internally with clients and and with the management to help them understand the benefits of it. As soon as they see the benefits, as soon as they see that there's possibly, you know, market share that uh, that can be increased, or they see PR benefits, or they see that, you know, it's simply a business survival issue because they have to start responding to their customers then it starts to get more sticky and and it will last because this is really, the people ask me, they say, so is, is green a fad? And the term green, I think, is a fad. And we're going to uh, get sick yes. of it. And a lot of people already are sick of it. However, the fundamental principles behind sustainability, efficiency, um, transparency, responsibility, those are here to stay. And we're not going to see that go away.
1: Okay. Wow. It's fascinating. Um, so, we, there are all of these terms that we hear. So the whole thing about I mean, I'm thinking about like GRI benchmarking, and if everybody's eyes are glazing over, they're like, yeah, they should be life life cycle assessment, scope three emissions, greening the supply chain, all this stuff. We, you know, we 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 hear about all the time. Um, how do you? How do we make sustainability, and I don't want to say, oh, I will, I'll go ahead and say it. How do we make sustainability sexy? How do we actually get the people out there, the consumers, to think about this in a way, and even people in, in these companies, to think about it as really a, a cool thing? I mean, we, t- we hear about the employee engagement part. Employees want it. You're going to get the best and brightest if you do this in your company. But how on a day-to-day do we actually make it, like you're saying, like stick with people and be fun and engaging?
0: I think the idea, you know, it's a great question, and it's something that we wrestle with all the time. You know, the bottom line from my perspective is that there's there's no silver bullet. There's no one thing that's going to make it sexy, but it's going to require a, a portfolio approach. So, a, you know, a wide range of options and initiatives. You know, some of which will work in some parts of the world and with some sectors of the marketplace, and some you know consumers, and others will work with others. Um, so, we have to go into it with that open mind. Um, I personally think that you know we haven't done a good enough job communicating to the public in general about sustainability about what it means about the implications of it. Um, you know I think there's great opportunity for you know media for example you know to really step it up and mm-hmm. to identify new uh, communication vehicles for people. I mean you see different op, you know different programs and things that are out there but I don't think anyone's really claimed it yet. You know no one's really figured it out in terms of the consumer facing. Side of it, but there's a lot of companies trying, and so it's going to be an interesting, an interesting thing to see evolve over the next few years.
1: Yeah, because that's something I just constantly, and heard, you know, part of the impetus of the radio shows is you know just to get the word out what these companies are doing. Because it's one thing to do it internally and kumbaya in the confines of your business, but, but to get that message out to the public in a way that really resonates i mean you're saying that there's increased market share sure that they're saying that they're going to be more likely to adopt these sustainability measures but what, how does this you know, you're know, you not seeing them in the nightly news for instance um you know something that, uh, that a walmart is doing that has to do with green really taking up some you know some time on the nightly news the, there's a there's a this sort of this it hasn't gotten to the higher level here in terms of its external communications and 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 um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm just more agreeing with you. It's just, it's, you know, and, and what, what are your thoughts about how you actually specifically get these messages out in a way that, that people are like, oh, these, you know, they're not just like, oh, that company is green because it can be, because it has extra cash on hand. Because that's the perception right. still is that people say, well, you know, of course that company's doing it. You know, they're, they're wealthy people, you know, they have extra cash. They make a lot of money. They charge a lot for their products. There's that real disconnect there.
0: I think it all comes down to really, how does it impact me? And, and how does it make my life easier, better, more healthy, or whatever? And I think that you see, you know, for example, I mean, you can track the, the sale of hybrid vehicles with energy prices. You know, it's it's so obvious. Energy prices go up. The hybrid vehicle sales or fuel-efficient vehicle sales go up. Energy prices go down. Then you see more trucks and SUVs and, mm-hmm. and, and fuel hogs being sold. You know, and so it's really... Um, you know, figuring out what resonates for people. I mean, look at, you know, the whole food system right now. People are talking about, you know, local and healthy and all of that stuff. And that's really resonating with people. You know, there's, it's a whole nother conversation, sustainable food systems that, you know, be great to have at some point. Um, But it really comes down to communicating back to me, how it makes a difference to me, my life, my family. Um, And, you know, there are some people thinking about it. I personally think there's a lot of opportunity out there. And and those who really figure out how to nail that, I think, are going to be in a good a good position.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's the future like for Sustainserve? What are you, what specifically are you, what are some exciting things you're working on? And
0: We've got all kinds you know. of things cooking right now. I mean, our business has been growing very rapidly over the past 10 years and particularly in the past three years. So it's a very exciting time for us right now. Um, you know, we're always, you know, trying to stay on the leading edge of what's going on out there, you know, and providing our clients with good services. You know, one of the advantages of having a consultancy is that we can also work on fun and interesting projects. Yeah. And so we do everything from working on a project in, in Basel, Switzerland to deploy fuel cell powered street sweepers to see how they operate in the market. That's um, cool. To we were engaged to uh, help design an eco themed theme park down in Texas. Um, You know, and so it's a wide range of stuff, you know, and so we're always looking for for new and interesting opportunities to ultimately do what we were just talking about. And that is bring it back to people, bring it back to uh, their day to day lives, because I think that's how we're really going to make progress in the world.
1: Wow, that's great. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, we're speaking with Matt Gardner, and he is uh, the director um, at, at SustainServe, a, a global management consultancy, uh, sustainable management consult- consultancy, many, many words there, um, with offices based in Boston and Zurich, and he's in the studio with us. So we'll take a break and come back, and we'll still have him here. <laughs> Nature business, and I'm your host Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for uh, sticking with us for this hour of conversation. Um, as I mentioned, I have uh, Matt Gardner in the in the studio with me. And we just had a great conversation about his company, Sustain Serve, and really what what the world of business and sustainability looks like in this day and age. And uh, hopefully, you guys gleaned a lot of information from it because it's it's fascinating stuff, and it's 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 hard to sort of communicate the importance of it and the um the direct benefits to companies that are actually adopting sustainability measures and, and and also discussing it in a way that really means a lot to people who are out on the streets you know buying these products like why should they care so um so it was, it was really really very insightful and great conversation matt so thank you um let we we were talking over the break about uh these smaller companies and all of the cool stuff and i made a comment that well you know we hear about the walmarts we hear about i mean you know we're talking about walmart a lot walmart it's not walmart isn't sponsoring this segment of the show just so everybody knows but we mentioned walmart we have coca-cola pepsi you know the bigger companies if they're 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 in they make the headlines if they're going to make the headlines but there are a lot of companies out there that are smaller mid-sized companies that are doing incredible stuff what are some cool examples maybe locally
0: Absolutely, and and um, a lot of times there's the perception that it's only the big companies who can afford it, um, but a lot of times the small companies, you know, you have a CEO or even a line employee in a small company. And um, because it's a small company, they have an opportunity to be really influential in the company. And so a great example, you know, down in Newburyport, Mass, there's a company called Mark Ritchie Woodworking. Mark is a a remarkable guy. He's a mountain climber, goes out and does Everest and K2 and all these crazy mountains. Um, But he's got this incredible woodworking business, small shop, relatively small shop in newburyport where he has um if you drive in the newburyport you see this huge windmill that's his um it cool. it, it powers his business he's you know they make uh, high-end wood trim and furniture and stuff like that they um they use all of the offcuts and sawdust and they use it to heat their their shop and wow. you know so he's put all kinds of really neat things into it you know this is a guy who's very committed to the concept, and he's figured out how to make the business model work for him, and it works very well for him. You know, at a slightly larger scale, I mean, there's, you know, Stonyfield Farms Yogurt's up in the Yeah, um, just right up the street. Right up the street. You know, smaller company. Now, they're, you know, they are owned, um, you know, by... By,
1: by Dannon. Right, yeah.
0: by Danon, but... Um, you know, they they started out the commitment of, of Gary Hirschberg to really lead this company in this manner, mm-hmm. and and have really led the charge in a number of ways. There is um, a company in down in the Boston area called Recycline, which makes consumer products out of out of actually yogurt containers. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of of examples of great, you know, small businesses. The thing I would recommend to any of your listeners, you know, who might be small business owners, would be to uh, see if there's any networks of sustainable businesses or sustainable companies in the areas where you have operations. In New, ha- in, uh, New Hampshire, there on Monday there's a New Hampshire businesses for social responsibility meeting next Monday in Portsmouth. Lots of small and local businesses who are deeply committed to this subject. Look and, into that.
1: Right. That was that's great because that's you know one of the things. It's one if one thing for one company to be doing doing it, but if there are ways to actually share their best practices and get out there and network, that's the way it's going to trick down, it's like so. group therapy for companies. It's, it's you group know therapy I mean. for companies. I love it. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Matt, for for joining 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 me uh, on the show today. It's been it's been terrific. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. This is Nature of Business. Uh, Join us next week, same time, same place. And you have my Facebook page, Nature of Business, and Twitter, Nature Biz Radio. And you can always uh, email me on my website, natureofbusiness.fm. And the podcast will be up on the site in a couple days. And uh, thank you for uh, listening, and we'll see you same time, same place next week, Nature of Business.
0: The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association
1: with GreenBiz.com.